I am so excited about this passage. If you turn to John chapter 14, we're going to begin a three-part series. John chapter 14 presents Jesus as our cardiologist, the one who cares for our heart. Anybody in here ever had a troubled heart? Yeah, if you haven't, you will. And I don't mean so much, and the scriptures don't mean so much in that physical sense, though it's a very wonderful analogy that we could uh, draw our attention to. You see, when you have heart problems, you need somebody who can fix a heart problem, amen? You, you want to go to a cardiologist if you have a heart problem. You, you, you don't want to go to you know, a nutritionist for a heart problem necessarily, so you might be able to help a little bit. If you've got an issue with your heart, you need someone who can fix your heart. And Jesus presents himself as our cardiologist. We'll take the first six verses here in John chapter 14, and with it, the sixth I am statement of the Lord. The sixth time that he's going to say, I am. Ego, A-M-A. The name that the Jewish people would have understood as he equates himself to the same God that Moses met in Exodus chapter 3. There in that burning bush, who shall I say sent me? Moses, you tell them that I am that I am sent you. Yahweh, Lord of hosts. And so as Jesus announces this sixth I am statement... He's saying there's only one way to fix the human heart, and he's it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the power of this passage, and we pray, Lord, I pray, we who believe pray right now if there's anyone in this room that is yet to commit their way to you, Lord, that today for them would be the day of salvation. You offer the free gift of eternal life to them. Jesus, you declare of yourself you are the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through you. And so, God, we give you this time. Speak clearly to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Here it begins, and you can see why I entitled this Jesus, the cardiologist, let not your heart be troubled. This chapter actually begins and ends very much with this same thought. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to leave you. This is the final evening of his life. Before he will be crucified on Calvary's cross, before he will be tried illegally, before he will die. The disciples have seen Judas Iscariot wander off into the darkness. Jesus is saying these things to them, and their hearts are conflicted. Their hearts are troubled. They are heavy. They are burdened. They have no idea what tomorrow holds. And it is to the disciples who knew Jesus better than anyone on the planet at the time. It is to the disciples who walked with him and talked with him, who ate with him, 
who traveled with him. It is to the disciples that he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, many monet, many dwelling places, abiding places. There's a place, Thomas, for you. Peter, for you. John, there's a place for you in my Father's house. This passage is so deeply personal. He's he's with the men that he loves. He's with the men that he's instructed. He's with the men who are going to pay the price of their own lives eventually for being followers of Jesus. He's saying, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, many mansions. Or if it were not so, I would have told you. If you couldn't go, I would have told you. If it was an impossibility for you to be with me eternally, I would have told you. If this was just a joke, there would be nothing to tell you. But in my Father's house, in God's house, in heaven... There's a place for each one of you, and I would have told you if it were not so. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And you could almost see Jesus going down the table. Andrew, there's one for you. James, there's one for you. Dennis, there's one for you. Jeff, there's one for you. There's one for you. There's room in the Father's house for every person that's ever been born on this planet. Hallelujah. There's room for everyone. But there's only one way to get to that Father's house. This is the most exclusive passage in the entire Bible. And yet, it is the most open passage at the same time in the entire Bible because the one way is also free. The one way is a gift. The one way is by faith and not by works. The one way that is the Lord Jesus is available to anyone who will believe. On one hand, it's one way. On the other hand, it's available to you. It's available to me. It's available to us. And I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And you can almost see the gears turning in the disciples' heads. They're not quite getting it. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Where are you going? Where's your father's house? How do we get there? And you can almost see a little smile crack on Jesus' face. 
Oh, Thomas. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. And Jesus said to him, you're looking at him. You're staring at him. He's speaking to you. And so he says to them, I am the way. I am the way. And he doesn't, in in the English language, it is not quite as clear as it would be if you were understanding this in the original context. I am the only, the one and only. I am the, there is no other way. I am the one way. I'm not one of many, I'm the way. I am the truth. I and I alone. Jesus is the way and the truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word was true. Jesus is saying, Thomas, Peter, James, Andrew, you do know the way. It's me. I'm the one who brings you truth. And I am the one life. I am that John 10, abundant life. I'm the life. Guys, it's me. I and I alone am the one way. I and I alone am the truth. I and I alone am the life that you want to live because it's eternal. Jesus makes here the most exclusive statement in the entire Bible. And if you haven't gotten it to this point, just to make sure you do get it, and no one comes to the Father, but through me. And so Jesus speaks these words to comfort their hearts. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you see it? You see, you can't cure a troubled heart by just fixing your financial problems. Because your financial problems can be fixed, but your eternal problems would still exist. That job you're looking for could be given you, but you would still have a problem with your eternity. Your health could be repaired, but you would still ultimately die and perish without Christ. And so Jesus says to them, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe that God is He basically says to them, believe that I am. You see, Jesus speaks these words to comfort them. He says, look, guys, and we'll see over the next several studies, these cardiotherapies, if you will, that the Lord presents to us. He says, look, in me, you're going to heaven. Without me, you're not going to heaven. 
So if you want to have a stilled heart, if you want to have a comforted heart, believe in me because in me you go to heaven. They're asking, how can we know? How can we go? And you'll see throughout the chapter six very strong assurances. He said, look, this is where I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine as they're seeing Jesus arrested? Can you imagine as they see Jesus beaten? Can you imagine as he's crucified and offers up his life, all of which we will see very shortly in John's gospel recorded by John? Guys, this isn't it. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you might be also. I was at a memorial service for a very dear friend that was just an amazing saint in Running Springs. And as I was sitting there, I go, man, I get to see Mary again. Because I I want a reminder of how much I love her. I'm going to see her again. Because she's already wandering around her dwelling place in heaven. She's not gone. I know exactly where she is. Because in my father's house are many mansions. And she's got a big one. And she's enjoying the presence of the Lord. Because our hope and trust is not in this life. It's not in the things of this world. Our hope and trust is in who Jesus is and where we are going to be for eternity. I would love to see all of our problems solved here on this earth. Me personally. I would love to see all poverty ended. I would love to see every war ceased. Every person living in perfect health. But here's the reality. Jesus actually said, the poor you will have with you always. That in this world you will have tribulation. But he said, don't be afraid. I've overcome this world. Amen? The, The death, the poverty, the ravages of war and violence in our neighborhoods. Christ has overcome that. And we await the glories of heaven to that end. And so when we say this world is not our home, it's because Jesus said, this world is not your home. Because he said, I'm going to my father's house where there are many dwelling places. And oh, by the way, you're going to live there too. So in a very real sense, This earth is as bad as it gets for the believer. It gets infinitely better from here. So heaven is the answer to the hell that we experience even here on earth. And Jesus says, you can have it. You can have it. Because of Jesus. What is heaven like? Heaven is described throughout Scripture in all kinds of different ways, and we're never told all of the things that 
heaven is. But we know that heaven, according to Peter's second letter, it's, a, it's an actual kingdom. It's a place where there is a king who reigns. And guess who that king is? The prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father, the wonderful counselor. The king of heaven is Jesus. The one in whom, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. The one about his kingdom, there is peace forevermore. The one about whose kingdom, the weapons of war shall be beaten into plowshares. You see, it's a new kingdom. Because the kingdom of this earth has got some issues, amen? We got issues coming. Our issues have issues. The only way to get rid of the issues we have here is to have a new king and a new kingdom. That's heaven. It's an inheritance. I love this. Now, some of you, maybe you're looking forward to your inheritance. Maybe you have, you know, somebody in your life that's done well and they've stored up and done the biblical thing and leaving an inheritance to your children's children and you're going to be the beneficiary of it. But let me tell you, even if you don't have that, you are rich beyond measure. Amen? Because your inheritance is coming from the King of kings and the Lord of lords and everything on the earth is actually his. So no matter who gives what here on this earth to whom, when you get to heaven, you're getting the inheritance of a king's kid in his kingdom. You're going to be a priest and a king yourself unto the Most High God. It's described as a country. It's a place where we all dwell together under the leadership of a sovereign this amazing thing man we're so divided here i mean you you go into in and out and there's like a blue lane and a red lane you know what i'm saying it's like don't go over here go over here you know if you're one of these go it's like we're divided over everything you won't be divided in heaven there'll be one king and one kingdom and he's going to make us all to lie down in green pastures amen I'm napping for the first thousand years myself. It's a city. Maybe you've got a bad neighborhood that you live in. And I don't say that disrespectfully to anyone, but maybe you'd rather not live where you live. I guarantee you, you're going to love your new house in heaven. Because you're getting the, the upgraded model. Any of you ever go to model home things? And you walk in there and, you, you know, and they have a professional decorator and it's all upgraded tile and you know, flooring and counters and you, you walk in and then you go see the one you're going to get. Man, in his city and in your new home, you're going to get all the goodness of the Lord. Everything he has ever planned for you. Everything you cannot even think of. The Apostle Paul, when he was taken up, and we'll get to this in 1 Corinthians, when he was taken up into heaven, he will actually record in the second letter, it was so good, I sh it should be illegal for me to tell you about heaven. Now, I don't know how, people will ask, well, what's it like? I don't know. 
I got a human minded. I got a meat computer just like you do. But I know this. It's so beyond my understanding that the Apostle Paul could not even describe it. It was too glorious for me. Man, the right town and the right house. It's actually the most exclusive place in the universe. It's the most exclusive place in the universe. Because there's one king, one kingdom, and one group of kids that live there. And it's God's kids. You see, here's the great news. Anybody can get in. People often look at this passage and they get really tweaked. They get seriously bent. Well, I can't believe he says he's the only way. If there was another way, we'd have a problem. Because that other way would be some kind of work. And instead, the one way is the way of faith resulting in grace, a free gift of God. It's beautiful. You see, if you and I come up with a plan to get people into heaven, we're going to have just like a country club. You're going to have membership dues, which is going to be some kind of work. You're going to have some kind of fee you have to pay to get into the club. Anybody ever been around people that have joined a country club, especially an exclusive one? They're the most obnoxious people on the face of the earth. If you belong to one, I'm sorry. But they're like, oh, you know. It's like, yes. They always have an Oxford accent, too. Oh, really? You know. But it's exclusive. You've got to meet all the criteria. We had a friend who has a house out in Palm Springs, and we went out to look at this house, and you, it's, like, it's like really nice. But then it's like, well, you can't walk on the lawn. Like, what good's a lawn that you can't walk on? You know, if you leave your garden hose in the front yard, it's like, oh, you'll get a ticket for that. It's all about the rules. Jesus paid the price. When you get to heaven, you're going to be free indeed. Amen? But it's exclusive. You, you see, Jesus isn't one of many ways. Jesus does not just point the way, like Mary Baker Eddy said in Christian Science. He is the one way. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, in this incredible sermon, gets down to the nitty-gritty, and he, he basically says to them, look, guys... Verse 80 begins, filled with the Holy Spirit, rulers and people of Israel. If we are this day judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, to this man who's been healed, and by what means he's been made well, then let it be known to all of you 
that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man he stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. He's become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Again, very exclusive company. There isn't another way. There isn't a competing truth that's also true. How exclusive is it? Oh, it is the most exclusive place you can imagine. And this is where it gets dicey in our world. Because when you have a conversation with somebody who believes that all roads lead to heaven, and I have them frequently and often, and it usually begins something like this, are you telling me that Jesus is the only way? And I will say, absolutely. So you're telling me that if one is just a devout Buddhist, that you're not going to heaven. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Matter of fact, Siddhartha Gautman never even said that one could be saved by following him. Are you telling me that one is a good, if one is a good Muslim, that that's not sufficient to get you into heaven? You don't keep the five pillars. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because Jesus said it. And he is either the Son of God and the only way, or he is not. And if he's not the only way, then you should all take your Bibles and go home. Because I have nothing to tell you. Because if this is not true, then we are all wasting our time. Because if this is just another self-help regimen, we're wasting our time. But in him are the words of life. And in him alone is salvation. That's why I can tell you, Joseph Smith did not make a new plan to be with Jesus called the Latter-day Saints. There's one kind of saints, and they're all the saints. If you're a real saint, you're a saint because of the one Christ. That's it. Christian science teaches there are many paths to God. Jesus was just the best path. No, not exactly. He's the one path. He's the one way. He's the one truth. Transcendental meditation, you can just open your mind up to the spirit realm and eventually enough good things will get in there. The only thing that happens when you open your mind up is bad things get in there. That's why you need to have your helmet of salvation on so the bad things can't get in there. Edgar Cayce and mind science, just develop the mind and eventually you'll come to your own path of salvation. The Gnostic Gospels, eventually some talking cross will show up at your door. 
You see, people want to believe that those things are true. And Jesus says, this is so exclusive. Let me be clear. I am the one way. There isn't salvation found in any other. Not in Jehovah's Witnesses. Not in the writings of Charles Taze Russell. Not not in humanism and psychology. Not in Freud and Marx and Franco. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. You see, our problem actually wasn't the way itself. The problem is you're a sinner. And you can't keep your sins and have heaven too. And the only way for your sins to be taken care of is the precious blood of the Lamb. You can't do enough works to get there. Because the moment you finish cleaning up your already existing mess, you're going to create a new one called pride. That you somehow did it yourself. And then you'll start some little club, the I Am Perfect Club. (laughs) And no one else will be able to get in. Here's the good news. He's the only way it's so exclusive, but every last person in this room can get in. Amen? Amen? You see, that's the truth of the gospel. And so when people say it's unfair, no, it's monumentally fair. To as many as receive him, to them he gave the ability to be the sons and daughters of God. It's believing in his name that saves. It's not work. He simply is saying, look, you don't have to worry about there being another way because I'm going to my father's house to prepare a mansion for you and I'm going to come back and get you myself. I can't wait for that day when the Lord calls me home. It's not morbid at all. The Lord leaves me here until I'm 90 or 100. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm useful. But man, when the Lord punches my ticket, The Lord sends somebody. I know the first thing I'm going to see is Jesus. And he's not going to say, wow, Jeff, you almost made it. (laughs) You were that close. He's going to say, enter in, well done. Not because of me, because of Jesus. Because of what Christ did for me. And I believe that he did it for me. I am resting and trusting in Christ's perfect righteousness. Not in my own perfect righteousness, because there isn't any. Let me be clear. There's no perfect righteousness that belongs to me because of what I've done. And I've spent more than half of my life in full-time ministry. But that isn't getting me into heaven. The Lord Jesus is getting me into heaven because he is the way. He's the only way to deal with my sin-stained heart. Forget about you all, my heart. And I'm saying that to amuse you. 
I have enough sins for all of you in this room. Past, present, and future. My attitude alone sometimes is not pleasing. Anybody have a bad attitude in here once in a while? Anybody ever look at your situation and go, I deserve better than this? We all have issues. I keep having issues. I have a lot less issues than I used to have, but I still have issues. The good news is now my issues are covered by the blood of Jesus. I can't have more issues than he's got ability to forgive my issues. Amen? Because greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. And so I rest and I trust in that. He's the one bridge. It's like the background in these slides. You look at it very closely. That's the cross bridging between this life and the next. He's the one way. That's why Hebrews 10 says, in this we have confidence. I know that Jesus has pled my case before Father God. I know the great advocate has spoken a word for me. And it's so radical when you think about it. Because I know me and you know you. Amen? And yet somehow, because of the righteousness of Christ and the power that his blood has to cleanse your sin, as messed up as you are, and as messed up as I am, his righteousness is enough to get us into heaven. And so he says, I'm the one way. And the truth of it is, this is what I'm trying to say to you guys. I got this. But you got to rest and trust in me the one way. And I want you to begin to think of where you are right now with Jesus. And I want to share a quick story with you. Back in 1987, before they finished the channel across the English Channel, and so now they have these high-speed trains that go underneath the channel, and you can go between France and England quite quickly now. They used to primarily use ferries, some of them very large. And you would pull up to the ferry, and you could put your car and buses and even semis and all kinds of stuff on them. And there's a port city in Belgium called Zeebrugge. And late one night, they loaded the final ferry. The last one of the evening. And on the front of the ferry, actually on the front, the bow and the stern, are a couple of very large doors. And those doors open up to a line of deck that falls out onto the dock so that the cars can be loaded in the bottom and it keeps the weight down in the bottom of the ship. And then the people are up on the deck. Then they would make that roughly two and a half hour transit across the English Channel. The ferry boat was loaded, almost 150 cars, buses, and pieces of equipment loaded. Over 550 passengers, including the crew. And a very simple mechanical mistake was made they did not quite close the bow doors. 
And as the ship pulled away from the dock, the doors popped open. They weren't locked. The ship filled with water where all the cars were and some of the people. The ship rolled over on its side, and because it had not left the dock very far, it actually rested partially on the bottom. During the ensuing chaos, 197 people lost their lives. But there were 30 people that lived. There was a banker from Australia. In the midst of all the chaos, the water started to flood across the compartment. And as the water flooded across that compartment, it created a very fast-moving waterfall about five feet wide. And him being six foot three, he wrapped his legs around the rail on one side and grabbed the opposite side with his arms. And the first person he said to jump across was his wife, and his wife literally crawled across his back to safety. Following her were 29 others. And he stayed there for an hour and a half helping people then get the lines that were thrown and across. But those 30 people literally walked across the back of that banker. And they lived. I am here to tell you that that's what Jesus did for you. He threw himself across a stream called your sin. And he said, I will bridge the gap between the side on which if you stay, you will die, and the side on which if you will go, you will live. He became the way. He said, but you have to believe that I'm the way. His wife said, I couldn't believe when I first stepped on his back, I thought for sure his arms would give out and we would all perish. You see, it didn't look like it would work. Can I tell you that people often tell me, well, I just don't see how this works. Oh, it works. You have to rest and trust. You have to believe. Because he is the only way to get you from death in this life to life everlasting. Would you stand with me? Worship team's going to come back out. I want to give you an opportunity right now, and I believe that many in this room certainly know the Lord. Looking around, I see many familiar faces, and I believe that you need to be praying right now for those who do not yet know the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to ask you a simple question. If disaster struck your life today, if the ferry boat that is your life began to sink, would you know for certain the bridge that's going to cross you from this life to the next? And if you cannot answer that 
affirmatively. If you can't say, yes, I have trusted the way, and yes, I have trusted the truth, and yes, I have trusted the life, and his name is Jesus. If you can't say that, and you want to make that profession today, and as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, if you would just begin to pray, please pray for those who right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with their heart and their mind. If that's you today, and you want to know Jesus, he wants to know you. He is working on your house right now. Would you simply slip your hand up in the air? I want to pray with you. If you want to know Christ, I see that hand in the back. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I see that other hand in the back. Hallelujah. I see this other hand in the back. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Christ came for, I see that hand as well. Just slip it up. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. I see that hand in the back as well. Anyone else? I see that hand. Praise the Lord. I see that hand as well. I want to encourage you. Make today the day that you will look back and say, I crossed the bridge from death to life. I see that hand. I see those hands. Just slip your hand up. Anyone else? Those of you that have raised your hands, here's your only part. You've got to believe. You have to believe these words by faith. I'm going to pray out loud and I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. Just follow me. What has got to come from you to the throne room of heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner and I realize I need a Savior. And I also know I can't save myself. And I'm asking you right now to forgive my sin and cleanse my life. I'm asking you to write my name in that wonderful book of life that's in heaven. I'm accepting you, Jesus, as my way. I'm accepting you as my truth. And I'm accepting your eternal life as a free gift. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving me. And I'm offering my life that you might use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.